Led Zeppelin revealed. Alien remake announced. Dennis Nordman joins American Pinball. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine. I wish you a happy new year. And yes, I bought a new microphone. And I'm here joined with... I'm uh, Martin Ayer from uh, Pinball News. I'm the editor there, and we're all enjoying our new New Year, new microphone. Congratulations on that. Hopefully, we'll have a little less of the uh, sort of rubbing and scratching sounds coming from that. And uh, I have to say, it does sound pretty damn good. So, uh, do you want to tell us which uh, which microphone you bought? In case no, well, it's a Pinball podcast. We don't discuss microphones in here. Oh, okay, fair point. So, okay, um, but um, starting with our New Year's resolutions. Loyal listeners will know that we have tried to get Gary Flower on the on the phone uh, tried and, and, and join tried. our uh, 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 podcast frequently. So far, no luck. This time, this year, we're going to do yep. it different. So I actually already have Gary Flower on the phone. Gary, are you there? Hello. Hello to you too. So please hang on. Okay. Martin and I will do the podcast. Sure. Uh, we'll start yeah, the we'll come podcast back to and we'll, we'll, br- we'll bring you in later on, okay? No problem. Yeah. Okay. okay, thanks. Good. Good. Okay. So later well, on, we'll have Gary Flower finally yeah. on the show. And bring we'll us all also this have exciting a, news. Yes. We'll also have a uh, small interview. Well, small. <laughs> you know how these things go with us. A small interview with uh, Jack Guarnieri of Jersey Jack Pinball, who is... Uh, uh, exactly 10 years in business as Jersey Jack Pinball. So time for a small celebration. Absolutely, yeah. We uh, we interview him. Uh, we will interview him anyway and uh, ask him for his thoughts on, on the past 10 years and uh, how things have changed over, over that past decade. There's been a lot uh, been a lot happened in the pinball industry and uh, and a lot happened at Jersey Jack Pinball. So right. anyway, we'll, we'll look at that a bit later. But uh, in the meantime... Let's start with our headlines, and uh, the, the first one we, we came to was the reveal of the, the brand new Led Zeppelin game from Stern Pinball. Yeah, it, designed by Steve Ritchie. Mm-hmm. It's got three flippers. Uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> album artwork as the uh, artwork for uh, at least two of the models. And uh, I think the uh, the limited edition has more custom artwork, which is based on the logo of the band. Uh, no, the logo of the label of the band. Yes, that's right. Yes, it's the the Icarus character. Yes, um, that they appear on the limited edition. The artwork is done by Stephen Jensen, um, who may not be a familiar name, but he did work on the X Men games for Stern along with Kevin O'Connor. So it's not his first pinball uh, commission. But um, as you say, it's um, it's pretty much based on. Well, the pro is based on the Led Zeppelin three album artwork, mm-hmm. and um, that's the I, one that reminds everybody of Bugs Bunny's birthday that's right. bash. It's the white, the white one, yes, which uh, generally hasn't been a good color for pinball. I think over the years, that's fair to say, people tend to prefer darker or uh, or richer colors. But uh, that's the that's the color scheme that was used on uh, Led Zeppelin three. And uh, the, as you say, the uh, the LE was the is the Icarus character, um, and then there's the premium model, and that premium. has um, the, uh, that, that the, has crushing, the, uh, the crushing yeah. Hindenburg artwork. Uh, I would say, yes, the the Zeppelin, I suppose. Well, I'm not sure it is a Zeppelin, is it? But uh, yes, you're right, the airship. Anyway, 
uh, on it. Uh, it's a sort of black and white rendition of, of that, which uh, is very stylized. Um, not sure it's it's up there with the uh, Centaur uh, stark black and whiteness of uh, the design, but uh, certainly certainly very uh, iconic. And um, yeah, well, and we got which, Tim Sexton uh, who, uh, yeah. on code again, uh, mm-hmm. working with Steve Ritchie. Uh, same team, basically, as uh, Black Knight, at least Tim mm-hmm. and Steve teaming up. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, what, what, what's your opinion on the, on the game that we've seen so far? There's, um, I suppose the, the main exciting device on the Premium and LE is the uh, electric, electric Magic which sort of rises up um, like a, like Iron Man um, and has a, a sort of mechanism that contains a, an optical spinner, um, some posts and a, and a magnet beneath, which right. can uh, grab the ball, turn it into a captive ball, fling the ball, and also grab it and drop down under the play field to lock the ball. Right. So that's, that's, well, that, that's the key device on that game, kind of like, um, I suppose you'd have to say, the, the knight on Black Knight is the, is the main device on that. Right. So, well, it's interesting that you uh, mentioned Iron Man. Um, I was never that impressed with Iron Man as a game, and that turned out to be a huge uh, favorite for a lot of people. Um, I'm, I wasn't that impressed with Led Zeppelin either, uh, but that partly has to do... I, I might be too young to appreciate Led Zeppelin. Um, yeah, from the, from the ten songs uh, in the game, I think I knew... Two, and the third one that I heard, and the others I had to look up, and I was I never heard these songs before. Obviously, um, classic rock is far more aired on radio in America than it is over here in the Netherlands. I can't speak for the rest of Europe, but um, well, I'll just say my my uh, go-to station when I'm sitting here working on my computer is a classic rock station, so I get to hear a lot of Led Zeppelin. And I, I do know all those songs. However, I have to say, none of them particularly excite me as being part of a pinball game. You know, they're, they're great tracks as a, as a standalone music and, and for listening to, but do they excite me and, and sort of suggest pinball modes and, and uh, sort of use in a pinball game? Not particularly. No. And obviously, it's, well, I'm not sure whether it's fair to make the comparison, but obviously, um, three months ago, Jersey Jack came out with Guns N' Roses, uh, which is also a rock band pin. If you compare these two rock band pins, then as much as I like Steve Ritchie and uh, Tim Saxon, but I'm afraid that uh, Guns N' Roses is going to beat them on every level. I think you're right. Um, this this doesn't have a number of the things which, which Guns N' Roses has. It doesn't have the band buy-in. For instance, doesn't have you know the equivalent of Slash working on the game. It doesn't have the the videos from the stage show. It doesn't have the same kind of lighting effects. Although, um, to their credit, Stern have put some some nice lighting down the side of the game. Yeah, which, which I tend to think, and obviously it will never be confirmed by Stern, but <laughs> it sort of looks like a rush job that was done after Guns N' Roses was revealed to add that to the game so it looks more and I know that they in in, in videos of of gameplay streaming uh, mentioned that they have been working on that since 2019 or something like that but that's not the the the, um, 
or the impression that you get from, yeah, from looking exactly. at it. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it, it is something to be to give them the credit when they it's something which Stern did before anyway with uh, with the Star Trek game. They did have lights, LEDs down the side of the cabinet in exactly that way. So it's uh, although they were just single color, I think red at that point. But um, when you compare it to the effects that um, you get with Guns N' Roses, it uh, it falls very a long way short, shall we say? But you know, it's um, what's interesting though is is it looks like that that lighting um add-on is going to be available for the uh the pro version as well so you'll be able to add those same kind of effects which uh which would be nice right uh, not quite sure how it's going to work but it'll be a kit that's available i believe mm-hmm. um but yeah i i was a bit disappointed as well i thought um you know, that electric magic device isn't on the pro and that kind of makes it devoid of any major toy it's got right. It's yeah, got I've, ramps, but you know we're familiar with with ramps. It makes it a rather empty-looking game. I suppose. It is, and and uh, even the the side it could still be the, fun the, though. But. The side lane, the upper flipper shot, really, which is the main upper flipper shot, um, is just a stand-up target on the pro, and in, rather than being a, a one-eighty-degree ramp, so which seems a kind of a little bit of a needless um, cost reduction on that because I can't imagine that's that expensive. And I was surprised that the the premium and the LEs didn't have drop targets everywhere. You know, they've still only got the the three drop targets, um, which uh, are sweepable from the upper flipper, I'm sure, and uh, maybe from from the right one too. But um, you think, well, maybe in the uh, in the premium and LE, they'd have uh, all the stand ups would be made into drops, but they're but they're not. Right. So anyway, uh, we we don't know what the cost of the of the uh, game is. We don't know what the cost of the license was. In order to get what uh, you know has to be considered, I think, along with like the Beatles, a kind of holy grail license, isn't it? It's one that people have said, you know, if you're going to have a rock band or, or a music theme pin, then Led Zeppelin would be amazing, but it'll never happen. Right. Well, it did happen. Stern pulled it off, and, uh, and Steve Ritchie uh, designed it, and and here it is. So, right. if it's but, your holy grail pin, then yeah. uh, you've got no excuse. Right, but. Um... Well, take away the artwork, and basically, it could have been any rock band. Uh, There's nothing that screams Led Zeppelin in in the terms of the design. No, I think it's just the add-ons, isn't it? It's the it's the Zeppelin yeah, the Icarus figure, the Icarus, and, um, yeah, the Leaper, you know, um, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the electric maggot magic thing, not electric maggot, electric magic um, device. Um, doesn't really have any direct tie-in with Led Zeppelin, as far as or I can see. Or any band whatsoever. Yeah, but, true. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, um, I suppose it's not possible, but, I mean, uh, for example, KISS has um, uh, the drum kit on a, um, uh, a rising platform. It sort of would have made sense if there would have been a drum kit on top of it, but it's very difficult in, in, uh, in, in a pinball machine, but... You know what I mean. Then, then it would have made some sort of sense if that was something that applied to Led Zeppelin. But yeah, it's uh, oh well, never mind. It's uh, it's it's a Le- we have the Led Zeppelin game now, and uh, you know I'm sure a lot of people will be, will be very happy with it. And uh, and oh, I, and, and I'm sure they'll sell a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, yeah, I'm sure they're trying to um, 
trying to put as much into the software as well as they can to to really add more value to the game because it as you said it looks a little on the barren side on the playfield. Right, and uh, again, what I've seen of gameplay, yes, they've. Uh, it seems all too far fetched with the software and the rules, what what they're trying to achieve. So. Uh, on the on the one hand, the multiple should be easy, but on the other hand, they're trying to put so much stuff in, and I'm like, it's too far fetched for me for my taste. So uh, I, I, get- I haven't really seen any much about it. The only thing I, only thing I didn't like that I did see was when it started talking about multipliers and multipliers going up in like in 0.1 of a of a multiplier, and I thought, oh, this is getting a bit uh, mathematical. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it should be either like a one times, two times, three times, or four times. And if you're going to 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, you think, oh, I think there's this golden rule, which also applies to pinball, uh, which basically is the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Mm. Yes. Yeah, well, you mentioned Iron Man before and how popular that is. And that's uh, actually a very simple rule set. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. Difficult to achieve and difficult to get the... Um, the sort of ultimate wizard mode when you get there, but um, and and there are two options as to how you get to it, which make it even more complicated. But right. it's a huge yeah, reward still... when you do, and it's achievable, and you understand what you have to do to get there. Yeah, but I still get the the, the impression that it's on one end you have coders trying to impress each other with oh uh, mm-hmm. we we build on this what we had on the previous game and we now improved it to this and to this and to this. Uh, and what have you? Oh, we we took that from your game as well. And then they also look at what is the competition doing, and they try to implement elements from that as well. And you 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 get these complicated rule sets that are no longer simple. Yeah, well, we'll get to that a bit in a minute when we start talking about code updates. Um, but uh, yeah, take the point entirely. Um, so, anyway, other stern news, moving on from the Led Zeppelin game. Right. Um, I'm trying to think, what, what's the first thing we should really do for? Uh, we'll go for. So, well, sp- let, let's go with the longest one brewing. Oh, yes. We always enjoy that one. Yeah, well, that's the Keeping the Ball Alive 30 Years of Stern pinball book is finally shipping. Yes, the uh, the Kickstarter that was launched by Paperflock um, almost four years ago, I think. Uh, it was meant to, meant to deliver... In May three Almost. years ago, it's more than four years ago, and um, delay after delay, um, re- redoing sections of it, um, adding new pictures, re- relaying it out after people didn't like the way it looked originally. Um, people and, still don't like how it looks now. Well, okay. Well, the thing is, it is shipping. Uh, there was a delay even for the shipping once it was printed because, according to Paper Flock buyers weren't sending back their questionnaires regarding whether they want to buy t-shirts and posters and prints and that kind of stuff basically Um, it comes down to people are paying more for shipping than they paid for the book people are paying an exorbitant amount for shipping i think uh which is uh another thing which just piled on the the bad news onto the onto that project yeah and it, it speaks volumes about the amateurism that the uh the paper flock apparently have when it comes to producing books there's basically no you, you yes they're trying to to it's their first book project but apparently um as an editor and a publisher of 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 Mag- they're running into every uh, um um trap that they can run into 
Mm, they didn't say do that, any uh, homework whatsoever, and mm. um, oh well. well that's why, that they, that's they why it their, took four years. They lost their um, their fulfillment um, company, who were meant to be sending this all out. So they're actually yeah, putting okay, them but, all in USPS boxes and taking them down to the post office and sending them all out. And there's over four hundred of these, yeah, so okay. they're all doing it all manually, and it's going to take a long time. But the right. uh, thing is, when the book came out, the quality of the actual book, regardless of the content, um, is not bad. It seems to seems to be pretty solid yeah, and pretty well put large. together. Yeah, yeah, pretty heavy, good quality paper. Yeah. Um, the layout of the pages, uh, well, that's a matter of personal taste, I suppose. It, it's a coffee table book. It's not a it's not a novel. It's not an encyclopedia, and it only goes up as far as Aerosmith. Uh, which, which is uh, the 30 years so that, yeah. that, that's okay mm -hmm. but um, yeah I've seen a couple of pages and the layout of those pages um, very cluttered a lot of uh, redundant photos that you really didn't need there uh, four times the same object or the same toy or whatever uh, once would have been enough and then use another element of the game or, or what have you um, so yeah but um, it does look as if at least you know, we'll be able to stop talking about this book fairly soon once everybody's got all the uh, the books, the posters, the T-shirts, the prints and stuff that they ordered um, all those years ago. Right. So, oh, so well. there's some, some relatively good news there. Yes. Okay. Then um, what else do we have with... Um... Well, I, minor little thing, uh, Stern, the Stern Pro Circuit. Um there's been some trading cards launched, if trading cards are your thing. Um, Stern, so you can get your hands on the special edition Pro Circuit, Stern Pro Circuit trading card set, which they describe and as What a, are on these cards? Well, they're just um, players, basically, from around the world, and a few special guests who appeared in Stern games or been involved in Stern games. So the usual, uh, I guess, Ed Robertson and, and people like that would probably be uh, on these cards, um, and Stern are saying these items are not for resale. Yeah, of course, if you want to make them collectible, huh? Okay. Yeah, that's so, rule number one. Yeah, no, I mean, um, if you buy them, you're not allowed to sell them on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who's going to stop you? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, they, I think we tried this before, didn't we, with uh, the Beatles. Uh, I think the, uh, the, 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 the Platinum Edition was not allowed to be, or was it, was it Batman? I can't remember which game it was. Batman 66. One of them, you're not allowed to sell it on again once you bought it. Um, well, we all know how how enforceable that is. But we'll look at uh, things which are potentially unenforceable uh, very shortly. Um, and uh, they're asking fans to limit their purchases to personal use only. I don't think that's going to be a problem, to be honest. Yeah. I can't see there being a black market in uh, Stern Pro Circuit trading cards. But if uh, if you've got to have everything that's uh, Stern and collectible and trading that's cards, what aiming for yeah. Yeah, get in and there. And don't forget, John Buscalia obviously came from Tops, so he knows all about trading cards. Good point. Yes, well, well made. Okay, so uh, we were talking about things which are potentially unenforceable, and um, Stern recently added a little, um, I don't know, an extra step to downloading new software for new code for their yeah, games. Well, okay. So let's let's start at the beginning of that. Uh, right before Christmas, Stern came out with a uh, code update package, uh, which included quite a number of games, 
actually. Um, Primus, Pep's Gang Crusher, which is actually the same game with different artwork, but still. Uh, Iron Man, Avengers Infinity Quest, Star Wars, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Stranger Things all got code updates right before Christmas. But part of that code update was this new end-user agreement. Yes, the uh, end-user license agreement, the EULA, which they added in, um, it, um, it's, it attempts to enforce a number of new restrictions on what you can and cannot do with your Stern pinball game. Things um, such as you are not allowed to stream vid- uh, footage of the game on uh, either live or recorded uh, without permission from Stern themselves. Right. Well, let's just stop right there because that's not going to happen, is it? Well, I don't think there's anybody uh, even uh, who would be dealing with that at Stern. If you no. want to stream your game, where do you send an email? Hi, I want to stream my game on this and this date. Yeah, well, it, uh, presumably, if it if it would be a licensed theme, and all all the themes are licensed themes, then it would be uh, have to be referred back to the licensor, which isn't going to happen. They're not going to be interested in dealing with every request for a, for a, a pinball stream, are they? Right. Now, this probably has to do with um, DMCA uh, violations that Stern doesn't want to be held accountable for. If that would be a possibility at some point, and they're probably covering their own um, behinds, yes. so to speak. I think that's true. That they know that people are going to stream the games, but they need to be able to say that. Well, we've taken all all reasonable steps to ensure that um, those assets are not misused or used without permission. Well, and speaking of misuse, obviously the next thing um, that the same and user license agreement uh, also mentioned, is that you're not allowed to modify your game. Yes, that's right. You're not allowed to make any changes to the hardware or software. Um, and that can include such a, a simpler thing as adding a, you know, a, a mod onto your game. Yeah, or a third-party topper. or Yeah, but also could, could obviously also go into things like modifying the software changing the assets within the game you yeah, know like images on the screen or music yeah, all the songs being yeah. played or voice calls yeah that's right um and um the, the threat by stern is that when these games become internet ac- uh, accessible um or have connectivity added to to connect to some kind of uh, stern server they have the right to disable the game and basically brick it, um, to, to coin a phrase, turn it into a, a large brick, which is uh, doesn't do anything. Now, obviously, they don't have internet access at the moment, so that's not enforceable either, and would only be um, something which would be added further down the line. And also, um, at the moment, um, if you buy a brand new Stern game and power it up, and it's got this version of software on, now it doesn't come up, with a message on the screen that says, do you agree to these terms and conditions for your end-user license agreement? You know, press the right flipper button to accept and the left flipper button to decline, and it, and it won't boot unless you accept. So they don't do that, so you at no point accept these these terms. You can't just say by buying the game right. you agree to it because you buy the game from a distributor, you don't buy it from Stern. But, and, and then let's say someone presses the right flipper button and accepts who is to say who pressed that button? Yeah, 
Yeah, it could be the distributor. Maybe they check your game over before you get it. You right. know, they power it up, say yes, and then make sure everything works and then deliver it to you. Right, okay. So we can have a long, lengthy discussion about this. We're not going to do that. Apparently, the uh, the end-user license agreement currently has been pulled, although that could also be uh, to have a lawyer look at it and see if anything needs rephrasing or what have you. But, um, okay, apparently yeah. at CERN they are looking into these type of things. So be aware. Yeah, absolutely. Not now, I don't think anybody's going to be sent to prison because uh, you're streaming a, a pinball game. But, you know, it makes it also less fun, you know. It does. It adds a level of uh, complexity and annoyance which you don't want to have to deal with. Uh, but we've had all that recently anyway with streaming uh, of, uh, of pinball games. Games like Led Zeppelin and uh, probably Guns N' Roses, you know, having the streams taken down because they contain licensed music and that is then blocked by the likes of Twitch and YouTube and Facebook simply because of the music. So they have to do something or um, people aren't, aren't able to stream these games very well anyway at the moment. So what do they do? Do they uh, do something like, you know, try and add an extra setting, streaming mode, into the software, which well, disables the songs. Smarter, but then you wouldn't have. Um, well, then, then it's very easy to replace uh, certain music uh, with uh, placeholder music, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, they could have like <clears throat> instrumental versions of of the music, yeah, that, but it's still the same song. It's still publishing. The publisher would still be upset with that. So mm. it's not just the master owner; it's also the yeah. You have two parties involved in when it comes to music streaming. So true, it's a problem, and yeah, it's a problem that even Stern have with with their games. And uh, now, when they wanted to show uh, the new Led Zeppelin game, that they weren't able to to stream it in the in the same way they would have done in the past because uh, that stream would be taken down. Right. So, oh, so well. it's uh, but. Um, Anyway, yeah, we mentioned earlier about um, multiple code updates. Yeah, which well, I, now here come the details. Go no, on. no, no, I'm actually not going to go into all the details of, <laughs> of, of each one. Um, but what's what? There's a kind of an overriding picture here, which uh, <clears throat> which is that Stern are trying to standardise the the system, the standard operating system, I suppose, on these games by putting in the same features that they put into newer games and retrofitting them to older games. Ah, so, so like the DJ mixer. Like the DJ mixer, like the way the start button lights, so where it flashes, and, and also whether, uh, whether you've got the graphic equaliser, the 10-band graphic equaliser available in, your, in the sound mix, and also whether uh, the, the new system software allows you to have two system settings for the back box brightness, one for a track mode and one for gameplay mode. So you could, you could dim the back box when the game is actually playing and then brighten it up when when it's in a track mode and it ramps nicely from one to the other and that's something they've been adding in to all these all these games so that's been um uh, and also the um the DJ mixer thing is is part of the the game mode menu which allows you to do you know head to head games and uh, group you know two against one and two against two and all that kind of stuff um that's something which you get to in the track mode by holding in both flipper buttons, and that brings up a menu, and you can choose how you want to play the game. That's something. That's another thing which is being added back in. So it's it's a nice feature. They, they did say they were going to try and put this into older games, and that's indeed what they've been doing. 
So they've been doing that, and also some uh, some other games like Stranger Things have been have had a final showdown challenge game added, which allows you just to play um, play a different type of of game. And also that's that was added to um, Turtle uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well as a half shell challenge, which um, allows you to play each of the four turtles in turn in a, in a timed mode and trying to get them back to their lair before the, the timer runs out. And uh, if you do, you can move on to the next turtle, do a, do a different set of shots. And um, then there's a sort of a, there's a high score table for that as well. What was, what's actually interesting with, with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is I noticed in the, in the readme file of exactly what uh, has changed, and this is true for the Avengers as well, is there is um, there's a very detailed rule sheet available that tells you exactly how the rules work. And I haven't seen this before. You know, if you if you go to the link, it, and you'll find it if you if you look on the README file on Stern's website for Avengers: Infinity Quest and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in, in the README of the code, at the top there's a link to the Stern website, which uh, will then take you to a PDF, which um, lists all the all the rules. Well, no, it's all the rules, but certainly a, a very detailed description of the rules, and. It lost me. It was so complicated, I couldn't understand it. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about how complicated rules are in, right. in some of these games. There's so much in there that you would have to, well, you could, you could spend days studying it and learning it. But obviously, it would help to have the game in front of you or to be familiar right. with it, which we're not, I have to say. Uh, we haven't played these games at all, I don't think. Um, Avengers or, or, or Turtles, have we? So, no, um, we haven't. So, yeah. yeah, we're not that familiar with the game to start with, but it would certainly um, clear up any questions you have about how functions work in that game. Um, right. So I'd recommend uh, loading the, um, the readme file for the, for, those, for the software for Avengers and, and Turtles and potentially other games in the future and, um, and seeing what, what, the, uh, what the rules are because they're, they're quite extensive. Right. Now, and so by... Earlier, I made this comment about keep it simple, stupid. Um, so I'm not saying that I'm against deep pinball rules, but the problem is it appears that the priority seems to be to write deep pinball rules and not so much make it a fun game. I'd rather have a fun game that's less deep, uh, but I enjoy playing it, and and instead of a game that has... Um, I don't know, a zillion options uh, to go for and uh, five or six wizard modes before you get to the ultimate wizard mode, which I'm never going to get to anyway. So I'd rather have them focus on the game being fun, um, mm. which doesn't mean giving me a multi-ball within three shots or uh, less than a minute of, of play, uh, because that doesn't equal fun. It's fun to play multiple, yes, but yeah, I still need to have the feeling that I achieved something and not because I flipped a ball around for 30 seconds, I should be entitled to get a multi-ball. So, yeah, I understand entirely. I was, uh, I've actually turned around um, completely on this. I used to be so in favour of complex rules and you know, I love The Simpsons because of the complexity of the rules there. But I realised that that is about as complex as I wanted the rules to ever get and they've gone way beyond that now and they've lost me, I think. Largely. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they're they're now uh, focusing on uh, tournament players, which is only a very small portion of the people actually playing pinball. Mm. And I think it would be more important to focus on the people who just play pinball for fun. Yeah, 
um, we said it before, you know, there is the, there is the possibility of doing both, you know, making a, a ostensibly oh, yeah, fairly course, simple but... game, but with underlying complexity, which only the, the top players will ever get to learn. But it's a, it's a difficult balancing act. You don't want to, you don't want to spend um, 90% of your time putting in complex rules that, that you know, 5% of the players are ever going to see. Right. It's not a good use of, of, of uh, effort. Right. So, oh, well. Hmm. Um, I think that uh, wraps it up for Stern. I think it does, yeah. Okay, so uh, our second headline then was uh, it was about the, the remake of the Alien game being announced. Do you want yes. to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, a little bit only. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, Alien was a game um, uh, manufactured or at least attempted to manufacture by Highway Pinball, um, who has been... Um, I'm not sure what the proper word is to say, but basically um, uh, the owner of the company uh, had some tactics that were not very desirable, I'd say. He was a very good salesman, but not so good a manufacturer of pinball machines, um, resulting in that uh, only a very few alien games uh, were manufactured before um, I suppose the uh, the pinball brothers who are actually a an investor in highway pinball basically fired the owner of the company uh, and um, uh, took everything away um, and now have finally um, announced the relaunch of a new to be manufactured alien pinball machine which is uh, I'd say for 95% uh, the same layout as the uh, the other game, but uh, uh, a few improvements. Mm. Um, and the plan is to manufacture that game in Italy uh, by a contract manufacturer called Pedretti. Uh, that's probably the the, 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 the short version. And yeah. Even that's too long, but still. <laughs> no, I think you covered it pretty well. Um I should, uh, I could probably add that um, the, the in the, the in playfield screen that was um, quite a quite a major part of the original design uh, is no longer there. Yeah, um, and it's been replaced by some sentry gun um, ammunition um, indicators. So um, the the and the big back box screen has has been reduced down to a to a smaller sort of stern pinball sized display. On on the back box to make more room for the for the alien artwork and you know various things that made that sort of a, a highway pinball um, look at you know, the back box design and the um, the modular buttons uh, on the side on the flipper buttons and the modular pop bumpers and slingshots and flippers that's all gone and it's become a lot more um, traditional should we say in in that regard it looks more like a traditional Bally Williams game. Uh, if you if you couldn't see the playfield, you would think that's what it was. Right. Or the, the lighted side panels have gone and everything like that as well. It's, it's it's now just regular decals on the side. Right. So, um, so obviously, I'm happy for the Pinball Brothers that they managed to um, announce uh, the remake of this game. However, I do have a few concerns. Uh, the main one being the Italian contract manufacturer. Um, which is being announced as a as a, as a manufacturer of uh, jukeboxes and uh, uh, pinball parts and so on. Mm -hmm. um, 
I could only, I did a little research. I could only find one CD player type of uh, jukebox, and I wasn't very impressed with the looks of that. Um, doesn't have to. It doesn't seem to have a lot, of, a lot of moving parts. So I'm not sure how that contributes to being able to build pinball machines. And on top of that, um, I'm hearing uh, various stories. Um, about the quality of uh, replacement pinball parts produced by Prodretti, uh, which are not that good, especially their plastic parts apparently are not that good. Their steel parts um, are okay, but um, what good is a flipper if it's only going to uh, last for a week? Yeah, true. That's surprising because they are a, I think they're a licensed um, manufacturer for um, planetary pinball supply. I think right. to make to remake Bally Williams parts, so if they're they're not not good quality. That's uh, that's a concern. So um, and uh, what's also rather concerning um, after everything that we've been through the past couple of years with startup companies announcing that oh we're going to build this many games and we're going to build this many games, um, and here we have the Pimble Brothers announcing that I think by April, Pedretti should be able to build a hundred games a month. If I look at Dutch Pinball, um, they've been building games themselves now for over a year. Um, they're having a difficult time. Then they're adding employees as we speak. Uh, uh, they're having uh, uh, job interviews and what have you. And they're trying to get to 10 games a week. Mm. 100 games a week is really a difficult task. And, 100 games uh, a week or 100 games a month? Both. Oh, oh right. Even, okay. uh, let's go with a hundred a month. Yeah. hundred games a month is still quite an enormous task. Yeah, it's about uh, because four you a need day. To get all the logistics to line up, uh, and you need to have to uh, the, the manufacturing facility. Yes, I have no idea how big Pedretti is, but I'm. It would be very. I would be very sorry to see uh, that Pinball Brothers get. Um, uh, uh, plagues, I would uh, say, uh, by by uh, uh, aligning themselves with the contract manufacturer that can't live up to the predictions that they made. Yes, um, say what you like about um, Dutch Pinball's association with Ara. They 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 actually did put out the games at uh, the intended rate for for the time they were making them. Right. Uh, um, but contract but manufacturing. Does they didn't project a... a rate of 100 games a month. No, exactly. I don't think they would have, given the, the space they had to build them in. Uh, and they and they're aiming, a big company. Uh, they were aiming for 12 games a week, and they had difficulty getting to that. Mm. Yeah. So uh, contract manufacturing games is, is always problematic. And you know, keeping control, living up to targets, and uh, you know, we we even saw it with uh, when when Dutch people tried to to restart manufacturing with um, Zytec. You know that that didn't work out in the end. There was a lot of time and effort spent, you know, invested in trying to get that up and running, and it didn't work out. So anyway, uh, we obviously wish them the best um, the, for for the record. Uh, they Pimble Brothers are not taking any pre order money. So um, that's that's great. Um, you you will be able to buy the standard uh, Alien remake for the price of seven thousand seven hundred and seventy seven dollars in local in local currency, 
and uh, $9,999 for a limited version, although what, exactly what's in the limited version hasn't been re- hasn't been decided. I was going to say hasn't been revealed, but I don't think they've even decided what they're going to put in it yet. They're going to see how they get on with the standard version and then see what they can add to it. But it would be nice if you could get a big screen in there somewhere because uh, that was uh, it's got some fantastic graphics in there, and um, I think I think Brian Domney has been doing some work on the code as well to to um, include or incorporate the 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 new features, the um, the, um, the sentry gun um, display, and the uh, the magnet as well, which has been added, and the um, the hypersleep ball lock as well, which is now a physical ball lock on the game rather than being a virtual one. So I think that's been added into the software as well. So it's. Uh, it's looking good as a as a game. I think it's uh, it's 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 what people w- would want the game to be, and I think there is a big demand for it. But as you say, there is there has got to be doubts over the manufacturing capability and the, and the timelines, which have been offered up so far. Right. Okay. Now, um, so before we move on, um, Gary, you're still there. Oh, yeah. Hello. Yes. Hello. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, yep. we're not ready to to get to you, but I'm so sick. hanging there, okay. uh, we'll get to you shortly. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah, well done. Yes, yeah, so the last thing we'll do is forget about about Gary. Oh, we'll we'll bring bring him in shortly. Uh, okay, so our third headline, um, and this is a uh, start of our little uh, section on American pinball. And yes. um, the main news is that uh, it was announced um, well today, in fact, uh, the fourth of January. And although uh, it actually leaked already yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, kind of, but um, okay. Uh, is that uh, Dennis Nordman has joined American Pinball as their new senior game designer. Right. Dennis, of course, well-known, a very prolific uh, designer, worked for many companies across uh, uh, pinball and uh, and also slot machines over the years. And uh, not just slot machines, he's also done his his pitch and back game, didn't he? he? Yes, and he did Tower of Power, which is a redemption game. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah this true, has yeah. been around the block. Yeah, um, he has. Yep. And, and, and also, you know, when it comes to pinball manufacturers, I think he, um, uh, I think Dutch Pinball is the only manu- current manufacturer that he hasn't worked for. I think, well, yeah, I guess so. And We've, Hack is Pinball. And, and Home Pin. And well. Home Pin, yeah, okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, but certainly That's, all the US based ones and, and Highway Pinball as well. And right. been, been involved with and um, Silver, um, Silver Silver Castle. Castle. Yes. yes, it was uh, consulting on on that as well on the Time yes. Shop game. I had a hand in that as well. Ah, well, you want to remove it? It'll, it'll get in the way of the ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so his um, his role there is uh, to be the senior game designer, but he's also training three young designers that they, that uh, American Pinball have taken on. We don't yes. know who they are yet. Yes, but, um, their identity. Sure. Well, there are they. Uh, what is known is that they are known um, uh, uh, designers, and I think we have to look into the um, the, the homebrew mm. uh, environment, so to speak, um, where these designers might be coming from. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Yeah, so uh, maybe Josh Kugler, their uh, lead programmer, uh, uh, was a uh, homebrew. Uh, pinball designer who Certainly wrote was. his own code as well and he was hired by American Pinball back in the day already he's still there um, something which can't be said for Joe Bolzer 
their um, uh, pinball designer for the previous uh, three games, Houdini, Oktoberfest and Hot Wheels. Apparently, uh, Joe is... Uh, uh, well, word on the street is that he was that go. American Pinball is saying that um, Joe is now a contract designer instead of an employee. Yes, they so say he is, he's free to op- to offer his designs to American Pinball as well as other companies, which basically means that he's not working for American Pinball and he can he's a freelance um, game designer, I suppose. Right. Uh, which, uh, well, I, I know I know Joe's departure from American Pinball has been sort of on the cards or been mooted for for some time. So not a huge surprise, but um, he's done some done some good work there. Enjoyed his, his his designs, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more from him in the future. Um, but for now, Dennis is uh, is the senior game designer there. He he moves to the company. He doesn't have a a new design ready to go yet. He's uh, he's got a lot of ideas. He said, but um, nothing actual. Um, no finished game that he he can bring with him. Right, and surprisingly, um, well, as we all know, Dennis has designed three games for uh, Deep Root, which still have to come out, and he's also working on a game for Chicago Gaming. Yes, he is. Christopher yep. Frenchy. Yep, and as part of his agreement with American Pinball, he will be allowed to to see that that uh, licensed game for Chicago Gaming through to completion. Uh, he get um, when uh, David David Fix. Um, Spoke to Dennis and uh, and Chicago Gaming's Doug Duba. They came to agreement that uh, Dennis could could go to work at American Pinball as long as he finished his work on the uh, Chicago Gaming game. So uh, that is happening, which, right, so uh, as, as I mentioned, leads to the potential of uh, Dennis having th- not just one but potentially three games out in the market at the same time. If if Deep Root bring one of his titles out at the same time as Chicago Gaming bring out his title and uh, American Pinball bring out his title. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, uh, it could have three games backing against each other, which would be interesting to see which one's the best. Right. So, But, uh, no, good news for Dennis, good news for American Pinball, and I th- suppose good news for Pinball in general because, um, obviously, American Pinball hired Dave Fix as their um, uh, chief uh, uh, marketing and operations uh, uh, manager. Mm -hmm. Um, But this indicates that, uh, because there was some concern whether American Pinball would stay in Pinball, uh, depending on the success of Hot Wheels, and apparently this indicates that American Pinball has chosen to stay in Pinball. Yes, they are part of the Aimtron group, and Aimtron have been um, sort of, how should I say, um, pushing, promoting their involvement in American Pinball, um, advertising the fact that American Pinball is part of the Aimtron group. And I, I think that might be something which is a kind of uh, a confidence builder to show that they've, they've got the backing of a much larger parent company and aren't going anywhere soon. And uh, they do have, I know, uh, talking to, to David um, their uh, director of operations and marketing, he said that they do have big ambitions to increase the number of games that they're going to produce from, well, kind of like one a year or one slightly more than every year to uh, to at least two, if not three titles a year. 
So in order to do that, they're going, they're going to need, um, you know, to, to bring on these, these young designers as well as Dennis. Uh, Dennis can't produce, can't produce that many. Um, Barry Alster probably could, but, um, but Dennis is, um, will be responsible for training these, uh, these younger designers and uh, get them up to tutor them in the development of their own games. Right. So, uh, so yeah, it looks like uh, good news from American Pinball. Looks like they are, they've got the investment and they've got the, the talent there now to, you know, to push things on uh, at, at quite a pace. Right. So um, now I'm very happy for Dennis. And um, if you're wondering, uh, Dennis Nordman, uh, what other games did he do? Um, allow me to uh, simply direct you to Pinball Magazine number two, which has a cover story on Dennis Nordman. Uh, discussing his uh, entire career in pinball, I think up to the point where he started working on Lexi Lightspeed, which is also like five years ago or something. And, mm. But Pinball Magazine number two is readily available in the uh, Pinball Magazine webshop. So if you're interested in that and you haven't ordered that magazine yet, make sure you get it now. Quite right, too. Okay. Um, now we were talking about American Pinball and upcoming titles. Um, they also, well, they're also looking at, at licenses and um, and you. I think you have a little bit of news on uh, what's been said about their their plans for licensed themes. Right. Okay. So to give credit where credit is due, um, Dave Fix and Dennis Norman, by the way, were both a special guest on the Super Awesome Pinball Show. I think it was episode twenty two. Um, where the news of Dennis Heyer uh, was being uh, reviewed. But in that same uh, interview, Dave Fix also indicated that um, Roger Sharp is their consultant when it comes to licensing. And um, obviously, uh, if you know Roger and you know Roger's history working as a, a licensee uh, consultant for uh, Williams or the licensing department for Williams Pinball back in the day, um, when they had the opportunity to do uh, the Batman game, but they could not get the likeness of a certain actor. Uh, I think it was Jack Nicholson. Basically, Roger said, like, okay, then we're not going to take it. Let the other guys have it, and which is how D uh, Data East ended up with the Batman license at that point. Uh, right. Because the philosophy of Roger was you only want a license when you have all the assets to work with. And that's exactly what Dave Fix is also uh, saying in the um, uh, Super Awesome Pinball Show. Unless they get all the assets for a certain license, whether it being a movie, they want the actors, they want the music, they want everything that has to do with it, else they're not going to pursue such license because it's simply not worth it. Because you end up with a game where people will say like, hey, um, like Alien, there's not the, uh, the main actress. Yes, to go on the weave as well. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, American Pinball does not want to get into that situation. So, um, working with Roger, and obviously Roger knows his way around with movie companies and so on. I would not be surprised to see if he would actually be able to pull it off. Well, let's it's, it's hope so. Fingers crossed on that. It's, uh, it's a, I thought it's a much tougher challenge these days in uh, once upon a time having a, a pinball um, or featuring yourself in a pinball was uh, was a real badge of honour and uh, and uh, something to, to give you bragging rights. But these days, I mean, there's so many different outlets for uh, movies or bands or whatever that um, 
you know, they they are generally, and they and their management companies and their agents are able to pull the pull the or call the shots a, a lot more than they used to be able to. But um, yeah, if anyone can do it, Roger can. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's also it depends um, uh, custom co- uh, uh, quotes. Uh, from actors might be difficult, but uh, getting the the voices from the movie uh, that could already be one thing, you know, and still have assets. And then you need all you need is a uh, a narrator character or whatever in a pinball machine to do the voice calls that are more pinball related, like extra balls yeah. and 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 jackpot. Because not every movie is going to have those quotes in the no, but they can, as you say, you can get somebody from the movie or the band or whoever, someone, uh, maybe not the, the star, but uh, still a, a major character to, to yeah, do that for you. Well, no, no, Lord of the Rings and and The Hobbit and things like that to get... Well, uh, I think uh, Jersey Jack Pirates uh, of the Caribbean comes to mind, where they had um, one of the leading characters, not, yeah. not of course, uh, um, what's his name? Um, Johnny Depp himself. Yeah, that's him. Uh, but um, uh, but one of the other actors, which actually was a, I thought was a good fit. Yeah, it was certainly more piratey that way. I think rather than uh... <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, you, you, you ought to you ought to have uh, auditioned for that. Yeah, I'm sure you'd have got it. Um, yeah. so, anyway, so that was so, um, um, the, the, the actually um, to continue giving credit where credit is due. The uh, super awesome pinball show had quite a few scoops. Uh, in their interview with Dave Fix and um, uh, Dennis Nordman. One of the other um, uh, details mentioned is that um, American Pinball is very likely to work with David Thiel for one of their uh, upcoming games as a uh, sound engineer, uh, which is good news. And apparently David Thiel himself indicated on Facebook that he's working on uh, music and sounds for four different games at the moment. Yeah, I can't. So, I can't recall. He said four different games or four different manufacturers. But well, that, either way, that would be four different games then. Yes, but I think um, I think he also. I think he maybe it was him, or maybe it was somebody else. My memory is not that clear, but said that two of those manufacturers nobody knows about yet. So. Well. <laughs> And uh, we've we've known for a while that there are um, a couple of pinball manufacturing companies sort of under the radar at the moment who are working on games and um, don't wish to to announce themselves just yet. Right. But um, it's nice to have that confirmation that uh, right. that, that they are but there. Quite possibly, one of those could be uh, Alien. It could have been David Thiel already did the music, so. He wouldn't be working on it, I don't think, unless yes. he's added more assets to the game. So there's at least a couple of games at Deep Root that he produced music for. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, possibly one at um, uh, American Pinball in the future. And then who knows what else. Mm. So so stay tuned for details on that. Uh, right. Now, when I was putting together the list of, of uh, things I wanted to mention about American Pinball, <laughs> one of them was uh, the fact they were having a year-end super sale with a 20% off all the store merchandise if you entered uh, a code END2020. Right. Uh, but I, just before we started recording this, I went to have a check and it looks like that code's no longer valid. Now 2020 has ended, 
thankfully, and uh, we're into 2021. Um, so I won't talk any more about that because uh, you've oh, missed just it. Wait for uh, for the the Halloween sales or the uh, yeah, or Friday in, in, sales in uh, 11 months' time. Put it try code N2021. See if that works. Right. M- meanwhile. So, uh, Meanwhile, there well, some... um, there was also interesting news um, again from the uh, Super Awesome Pinball Show. Um, there's a um, well, if you recall playing Oktoberfest, then you might recall how difficult it was to make actually the um, uh, the barrel shot with the upper right flipper. Mm, yes, and apparently, um, I think it was Josh Kugler who came up with a fix for that. It's actually a hardware fix. Um, which re- requires replacement of a few parts underneath the playfield. Um, but that uh, hardware fix is available for Oktoberfest owners. So if you own an Oktoberfest game and you have difficulty making that barrel shot, uh, contact Dave Brennan at American Pinball and he will help you out with uh, sending you some new parts to make sure that you can enjoy your game a lot more. This is a free upgrade, as we point out. There's no charge yes. for that. Um, yes, I was uh, discussing this with uh, with David um, earlier in the week and said he really needs to get this information out uh, more publicly available. Okay, It's maybe not, not the best thing in the world to admit that uh, there's an there's a aftermarket fix required for your games, or there might be at least. But uh, the fact that you're offering it for free and it is available and people simply have to ask for it, um, seems like something they should be promoting as uh, as looking after their customers well. So uh, maybe you'll see that advertised a little more widely. But anyway, you heard about it now. If you if you've got a one of those games, then uh, get in touch with American Pinball, Pinball and uh, get get your kit. Anyway, yeah, I, I'd advise getting it even if you don't have a problem with it at the moment, because you never know when that uh, that problem might might crop up, and then you'll be all set with the parts ready to fix it. Right. Okay. And last but not least, uh, there was a Hot Wheels code update. Uh, data to December twelfth. Yeah, yeah, not a huge one. Uh, Twenty twelve ten, which is uh, the, the date of, of the uh, the the code release, which just adds um, uh, some controls for balancing the sound on that game, so you can you can get a better mix between the speech, the music, and the sound effects. Uh, there's a couple of new display animations and a couple of minor bug fixes, but that's about it. But it's worth worth having. Um, and you can you can tune the sound to your own personal uh, taste. Right. Okay. So, um, sorry, Gary, if you're still there, yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Okay. Good. Good. Listen, yeah. um, we're getting into our interview with Jack, uh, and we'll get back to you right after that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. So, right. moving on, I'd say Jersey Jack Pinball. Yes. Well, um, as, as we as we mentioned earlier. Um, it's um, Jersey Jack Pinball, and indeed, no, all of us are celebrating ten years of the, uh, since the announcement that Jersey Jack Pinball was going to be formed and produce their first game, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, that announcement was made on uh, the first of January, twenty eleven, on the, yes. the Spooky Pinball Podcast, right. uh, which is still going strong. So, congratulations to them as well. But. Um, at the time, you know, Jack had been working behind the scenes for a little while um, in order to put this, this deal together and uh, make sure that he could pull it off. And um, But even so, it was a well-kept secret, I think. And when the, when the news first came out, there was a, there was a bit of a shock because uh, people generally at that time, and remember this is uh, 10 years ago, a very different landscape than the pinball 
market and pinball industry, right. uh, people really didn't think that a new pinball company would have either the ability or the, the market for their games. Right. And, uh, and uh, Jack has proved that, that not only was there a, a strong demand for high-quality, full-featured games, but also that he could expand the player base and, and, the, uh, and the buyers and the market yeah. for, for pinball generally. Well, and not only that, uh, I think the, quali- uh, the, the um, diversity of games uh, and, and the, the creativity in games uh, also benefited from Jack entering the market as well as other companies as, um, uh, after Jack. Yeah, no question. Um, uh, I mean, prior to that, Stern didn't have their uh, uh, Pro Premium and LE uh, no. model that 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 was one of the things that they did, uh, but it also forced uh, their designers to come up with um, better games. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Put put more more innovative features in them and, and be more creative, and give uh, you know, better value for money, which is something which which Jack and uh, and the team at Jersey Jack Pinball had shown people would pay more in order to get a higher quality feature packed game. Yeah, so thanks to Jack, we're now paying more for our games. So thank you, Jack. <laughs> but, we, we, but we're getting a lot more for our money, I think. So uh, at least in, in some cases we are. So okay, anyway, yeah. um, why don't we give Jack a call? Yeah, okay. Jack, first of all, Happy New Year. Second of all, congratulations on your 10-year anniversary of Jersey Jack Pinball. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. I hope everybody has a healthy one. And looking forward to all the good things coming in 2021. Yeah, it's looking to, to be a very positive year, at least. So uh, let's let's put 2020 behind us, and uh, and uh, I suppose really we should we should look back to how it all started. Um, we we know how you uh, announced on the uh, Spooky Pinball podcast on the first of January, was it 2011? I think. Um, when you announced that you were going to be forming Jersey Jack Pinball and uh, the Wizard of Oz game. But um, when did you actually definitely decide yourself that you were going to you know, take this big leap and, and set up your own pinball design manufacturing company and, and, and then actually do something about that thought? It was probably around um, October uh, at Pinball Expo in, in 2010. That was probably the um, the time that solidified it for me, and then I began working on some different things and uh, talking to a lot of people uh, about it, um, which was kind of funny in a way because I don't know if people actually believe me. Uh, looking back at it, if somebody tells you something like that today, it would be all over the place in a split second, but. Um, it was pretty much still a secret when I announced it on January 1st, 2011. Well, but you were also basically the first one to sort of, um, oh, I wouldn't say stick it up to to uh, Stern, but Stern at that point had a monopoly of 10 years, um, and they were actually in very bad shape at that point in time. Well, remember, I was a, a distributor for Stern, at IAPA in 2010, Gary and I had a meeting where I told him what I was going to do. Uh, so he knew um, in November of 2010 that I was uh, starting a pinball company. And 
it wasn't a surprise to him, or maybe it was when I announced it in, in January of uh, 11. Was there any sort of one event, which the, the straw that broke the camel's back, that, that made you think, no, I, I can't just carry on being a distributor. I need to, I need to have control of the games that are made and the quality and exactly what it is I'm selling to my customers or what my customers are asking me for. I'm not able to deliver. Was there, was there any game, any one event that that made you, you know, say, right, I've got to do this? There was no, there was no event. It was an ongoing, um, you know, it was an ongoing thought because. There was no choice. A lot of customers wanted uh, features and different technologies put into the game. Uh, it wasn't happening. It probably wasn't going to happen. You know, we were we were really trying to tread water and and sell games. And I went, you know, I said it many times. I went from selling about fifteen hundred games a year, something around there, maybe a little bit more, to less than 40 50 games a year and remember it was a, a bad economy there was the mm -hmm. recession it was it wasn't a, a a spite move to start a pinball company it was only uh you know, i look back it was kind of naive of me uh thinking that uh i could just make great games and design games and everybody uh would, would be along the sidelines rallying us on and it was <laughs> There wouldn't be a lot of obstacles and potholes and things like that. And uh, I I got a quick, uh, you know, being in the industry more than 30 years at the time, I got a pretty quick education in that. And I said, okay, well, let's uh, overcome the obstacles. Let's try to do something great and uh, just make just make really good pinball machines that people want to play. And they want to own forever, and they want to buy and introduce new people to pinball. Also, I realized that we need to build the base of pinball to women, in my mind, especially women and younger people. Uh, which is again, I've said many times why I chose the Wizard of Oz our first theme. Right. Um, not many may, um, many people may realize it, but um, if we're looking at the, the uh, innovation in pinball. Actually, we have uh, you to thank for it that um, basically everybody stepped up their game. Well, you know, I'm very humbled to hear things like that. I hear them often. Um, uh, so that more must be true. Often, actually. Well, it, it, look, I, I guess in any industry, if you have one company making one thing, uh, you, you have what you have. And when you have competition, I, I think I said on that podcast or shortly thereafter, I hoped that there would be 50 companies making pinball machines. The more, the better. You get more attention. Uh, there's more creativity. It builds a bigger uh, employee base, builds a bigger customer base. I'm not afraid. We, we've never been afraid of competition. I think competition makes us better. And I, I hope it makes other people better too. Okay, so you've you've uh, started your company. Uh, who's the first person you hire? First person I hire was uh, the person that was going to design our first game. Well, that's um, that's um, I guess that's going to be 
Joe, Joe. Walser, I suppose. I was, right. was going to say either Joe or Dennis because uh, both had a, a hand in it. But uh, right, so uh, Joe, you know, I needed a designer, and I needed a, a really great programmer. I knew that, and I, re- I needed a really great artist, and I needed uh, really great sound people, and I needed I needed great everything. You know, mm. it's a word that was used over and over. Keith Johnson, to me, was and is the best programmer. Uh, and, and I'm not taking anything away from a lot of other people. But in my mind, uh, you know, always stand out was uh, Lord of the Rings and Simpsons Pinball Party. Mm. Very deep, yeah. fun games. Um, I think our team has continued in, in the, uh, the vein of what Keith originally uh did with games like that when you look when you look at every one of the games we've done so far you mm. know keith, keith was sort of the rock that the company was built on too so all the people that joined in the beginning especially they were told things like well you know if you go to work for jack you're never going to work for me again so it was like a one-way <laughs> it was like a one-way trip somewhere into an, uh, you know, into a cavern that maybe there was no turning back on, and uh, people took a leap of faith, and and I was very uh, humbled by that then, and and still to think about it now, it's really, um, really kind of amazing to look back and see what the team has done in, in, in ten years. Right now, in ten years, um, obviously we've seen. Uh, six games come uh, to fruition uh, from Jersey Jack Pinball, but of course um, you can't have any peaks without having any um, uh, lows, so to speak. Uh, were there points where you were like, what did I get myself into, or this isn't going to work, or what are we going to do next? I know you always try to, to stay positive, but... Um, uh, I think it's no secret that, especially the first couple of years, um, the, the 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 path that Josie Jack uh, uh, went through uh, wasn't smooth, so to speak. Right. Well, I think every entrepreneur, if I put myself in that category for a moment, and I I do that with um, a little bit of poetic license, uh, let's say. I think every entrepreneur first has to, quote unquote, sell themselves on the idea and they need to believe in what what's happening and the people that they're adding to teams. And everybody needs to believe in each other um, to be successful. So in the beginning, we were not just building a game. Obviously, we were (laughs) feeling our way around everything. We had a we were building a company. We were building a factory. We were building a vendor base. There were certain vendors that just didn't want to deal with us. Uh, there were certain vendors that I had to convince to deal with us. Uh, <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't easy. Every day um, there was a stage where I said to myself, what did I get myself into? And at the same time, I, I was more energized by a lot of the uh, roadblocks and potholes that we had to encounter it was a challenge i mean we made thousands of decisions we really did and when you think about it 
um, I, I said it before, imagination is kind of limitless. Um, technological engineering and finance and things like that have, have a finite end or limit. But imagination with Wizard of Oz especially, you, you had an amazing group of people. I mean, we sold a thousand games. Uh, we took money from people. We really crowdfunded the company upside down. It, it, it was so fast. It was, it was amazing. And the, the people believed in us. They, they bought a game that they never saw from a company that never built a game that had no factory. And it wasn't a Ponzi scheme. We were spending our time and our money. I, I didn't take a salary or anything like that. Spending our time and money developing a game and everybody being optimistic and in the beginning i said well how long is it going to take us to to make this game and and you know people i think they told me what i wanted to hear <laughs> <laughs> maybe not what was real or maybe nobody knew because every time there was another idea to add to the game we we i said yes let's put that in the game <laughs> Right. So, um, what also uh, um, helps, I suppose, is um, well, you you basically said uh, you crowdfunded the company. A lot of people wanted you to succeed. Basically, right. they wanted another pinball company putting out uh, a high quality product. Yes. Yes, and and that's why. Um, that's one of the reasons we succeeded. I mean, there were, there were days that, um, things went badly and, and there were days that things went very well. And there were days half and half, um, like, like any kind of company and, and venture that, that goes on. Not everything is going to be perfect. And, uh, there are people that say pinball is hard. Uh, I know there's at least one person that said pinball is easy, uh, <laughs> You know, pinball is pinball. It's it's what you make it, and um, you need to have a team. You need to have people working together as a team with a vision to do the same thing. And that's that's what you need in a lot of companies, families, uh, relationships. People need to to work at the same purpose, not across purposes. So that's how you succeed. You tug on the rope and you and you keep pulling. Well, you said just now that uh, when you first started, people were buying into a company with no manufacturing experience or, or facilities. And indeed, when you when you first started and announced on the uh, on the podcast that you would be uh, producing the Wizard of Oz, you said that you thought you'd be getting allowed USA to do the manufacturing for you. Now, obviously, there were there were um, certain uh, legal issues beyond that, further down the line. But at what point did you did you think that you had to bring manufacturing in house and do it all yourself, rather than send it out or do a contract manufacturing uh, operation? And how did that change the the the, uh, the sort of nature of the business that you were you were running? Well, in the beginning, some people made uh, verbal commitments to me about cooperation. Mm -hmm. And as the company started, they got scared to hell and they ran away wow. and they didn't want to be part of it because they thought it would fail because of whatever fears they have as people. And 
you can't lose, you can't fail if you don't quit. And I wasn't going to quit. And the people around me, I had a lot of strong support. Uh, my wife, my son, my daughter, especially, and customers uh, who became friends over the years. Uh, you have to remember at that point in time, pinballsales.com was uh, uh, quite established with many thousands of customers. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to sell five or six or 7,000 or something to get going. Um, there were people that believed in us unconditionally, and they still do today. And there are people that believed in us and were hoping for the best, <laughs> but they still had their doubts. I mean, <laughs> years later, I, you know, there would be people I would meet and they would say, Jack, thank goodness that you delivered on the Wizard of Oz game because all that money that I gave you, if if I didn't get a game, my wife wouldn't let me go to the store and buy a gallon of milk uh, again. So thank <laughs> you. I appreciate I appreciate you coming through and, and doing what you said you were going to do. So, and, and, you know, I'll just touch on this while I'm thinking of it. It, it. it was really important to me to realize that with a thousand people ordering something, the game had to really be something special. It had to check a lot of boxes for me and for the team. Because if we produced, let's say, the first 50 or 100 games and they really weren't good, well, the other eight or 900 people are going to say, you know what? I don't want that game. <laughs> Give me my money back. <laughs> so uh, you, it's there's, there's a lot of moving parts to it, and you have to really be on top of everything uh, leading leading something like this to get it off the ground and, and make it be successful and make people uh, feel happy and satisfied with the purchase. Sure, but I was uh, really interested in is, is did you – when you started off, and the, it's, it's kind of a quite a romantic idea to be able to set up a design company, come up with all these wonderful ideas, um, all these designers get the software team together. But becoming a manufacturing business is somewhat different. Is that what you wanted the company to be from the very start? Um, you know, I look. I, it wasn't that I didn't know. A lot of the things I, I stood in other factories in the industry with owners of companies picking screws off the floor uh, at eight o'clock at night, throwing them back into bins. So in a lot of ways, it's a nickel and dime kind of business to watch expenses and watch costs and um, have budgets and have design timelines and things like that. Uh, it's it's it's. I knew we were going to design a game and I knew we were going to build a game. So I, you know, I rented a big empty building in Lakewood, New Jersey, where we were going to make a factory. So I knew we had to store parts. I knew we had to do service. I knew we had to do part sales. Um, all of those things. The thing, the thing that I thought would be easier um, wasn't easy. Uh, let's say vendors that make certain things that were not doing much business in the pinball arena, didn't want to go back into that again because they had lost a lot of money with other manufacturers in the past. So right. they weren't, you know, welcoming to me. They, they met me the first time. Some of them said things like, Oh, you're the idiot that's going to lose millions of dollars. or you're, you're the jerk that's going to go out of business. Nice to meet you. You know? So, mm-hmm. Hey, that's a heck of a way to, begin a business relationship <laughs> that's nice <laughs> well, you better be clear up front 
Well, but you know, you really don't want to insult your customer, right? Couple couple rules. No, that's true. The customer customer is always right, and you never win an argument with a customer, right? So, um, but listen, uh, they had a. Some people believed sooner. Uh, some people believed later. Um, so that was fine. You know, it was, it was okay. And I suppose on that uh, on that track. Some people like to think that uh, pinball is just, or pinball uh, industry is just one big friendly, happy family. But we we all know that there are plenty of dirty tricks played by uh, other companies to try and, well, certainly at the start to try and derail your company in the in the early years. Now that you're ten years old and a very well established manufacturer and design house, has all that subsided and? Uh, no, you're not getting any any of those kind of tricks played on you or uh, moves made by other companies uh, that 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 would have happened in the early days. I th- think in every industry there's um, there's some I don't know if it would be uh, uh, some kind of uh, it's competition. You know, really, what it comes down to. I mean, if you have an employee that's really a superstar. Would somebody else want to hire that employee? I, I guess so. Maybe uh, you know it's, a, it's still a free country. People can come and go and and do what they please uh, if they don't have a contract to work uh, for a company for a period of time or project. Uh, I don't feel a lot of that, uh, you know. And maybe if that, that happens, I kind of overlook that uh, because um, you just get used to it. It's kind of like a drop of water on your shoulder all the time you just yeah it's kind of there but you don't pay attention to it you stay positive you focus on what you're doing and you make the best thing that you can make and sure i, I was thinking back to, to the on. thinking back to the the times when you know you couldn't buy products from certain companies because they were making products for other companies and that other company wouldn't let them make them for you as an example right yeah, that that happened. I mean, things that were well known in the industry, and then things that were uh, documented or uh, came out. It's it's pinball, like like probably many other industries. It's very small. Everybody talks to everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. To think that contractors, vendors, vendors have parts for one company on one shelf and they have parts for another company on another shelf and uh, people talk. So it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic about what people know and, and how they, uh, talk about, uh, competing companies that they're doing business with. And it, you know, it's not, it's just not, um, a pinball thing. It's, it's, it's a human nature thing. People like to talk a lot of people. So, Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good, but uh, a lot of times, for the most part, you don't have control over it. Yeah, you know, you could uh, try to enforce things with non-disclosure agreements and um, pick better uh, people that that care about what they're doing and and care about who they're doing it for. That's what it comes down to, and, and make make really the great the greatest product you can make and stay focused on that. Right. Um, now you started basically um, as an entrepreneur, um, hiring a designer and a sound guy and an art guy and 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 so on. Right now, it's a company that is, I suppose, I haven't didn't 
counted, but I suppose employing close to 100 people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how do you look back on that 10-year journey to what Jersey Jack has become by now? You know, even though we're celebrating a 10-year anniversary, I haven't really had time to sit in a rocking chair with a lemonade and look back um, in the rearview mirror. Uh, the <laughs> this, this, the rearview mirror is very small and the windshield is very big and we're going forward and I'm still in the middle of a million different things that I do every day for the company. So I haven't really... I know it sounds silly and we're talking about the anniversary. I haven't really looked back on it. Um, I'm probably not at that stage to think about it. Um, sometimes I'm reminded of certain things, uh, um, which went extremely well. Uh, when we were doing RGB LEDs, I knew we wanted to do RGB LEDs and then they were placed underneath the play field. And how are we going to get the light? up to the top of the game and mm -hmm. kind of like everybody looked at each other and we didn't know how we were going to do that. And <laughs> I, I, I had a dream one night how we were going to do it. We were going to make these light rods and they were going to look like the old number 47 light bulbs. And we were going to have to um, make them frosted so the light could, stay within them instead of just pass right through a plastic rod and I kind of had a dream I was must have been thinking about playing with light bright as a kid when I was five or six years old and I I went to the group and I told them okay this is how we're going to do this and a bunch of people just looked at me like uh, like what the hell is this guy talking about you know yes you know we so they were there were a bunch of those funny kind of things like that that happened maybe they were just uh lucky or it was just um uh kind of an interesting uh way to do something differently but um luck is something that you have to have i think in any endeavor uh, you could have unlimited you know on and on and on but again if you don't have the right people a uh, little bit of luck uh encouragement from the people that that want the product uh, you know it, it won't work won't work not not in pinball anyway not for us and uh you were saying there just uh, how busy your day is and and uh and jonathan was was uh was uh, saying you've got around about 100 employees at the company now with the design and manufacturing operation now all up at elk grove village we are we are a uh, almost by necessity these days a, a very connected world we're able to talk to people around the world and and see them What's what's your day to day role at uh, at the company? You know, you, do you even have a day to day role, or is every day different for you? Um, every day is different, but look, you know, I'm in New Jersey, and I'm not walking into a factory every day, mm. so that's changed. The factory is in Chicago, and that's okay. Um, you know, today I was already on the phone with a customer in Germany. Uh, about a, uh, a, a question that he had, wanted to talk to me directly about an issue he had with the game that he didn't understand. So I cleared that up. I talked to uh, one of our distributors in Germany. A few hours ago, I talked to our distributor in Australia. I'm talking to you guys. Uh, I have a conference later. I have uh, 
a call about some license, uh, one license company I'm working on uh, at, at about noon, and I have another one at four o'clock. So um, I'm involved in some design calls. I'm involved uh, heavily in licensing and uh, talking to a lot of our distributors around the world about what they need and um, and their issues. So uh, the day goes. Um, I guess when we go back to having some shows, hopefully later this year, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again in person and uh, so many thousands of other people around the world. So uh, that's something that I love to do. And um, just, just uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just amazing how much, uh, how much there is to, to be involved with. Yeah, it'd be great to get be back with shows. And uh, I mean, you your traveling has obviously been cut hugely, and you're not appearing at shows um, or visiting distributors or uh, or uh, locations or customers' homes. So, you know, what what still gets you excited about the pinball business after ten years of uh, running your own company? You know, it's it's really just the reaction of the people playing our games is is kind of the most exciting because uh, I get a lot of the feedback um, directly and indirectly of people opening boxes, you know, right now uh, with Guns N' Roses. And um, people are still unboxing some of our other games. They've moved. They, they have different challenges and things like that. I had somebody uh, over the holiday weekend... Uh, just got around to opening up their brand new dialed in game that was in a box oh. since they bought it. They, they, they didn't get to do it. So oh my they were sending me, they were sending me pictures. They downloaded the app and they were connecting the phone and they were calling me about how you do that and how cool that is and everything. So it's, um, it's, it's really ongoing all the time, but I, th- I think like uh, a chef, uh, comes out of the kitchen and says to some of the people uh, in normal times anyway who are eating says uh, how do you like everything is everything okay you know do you like you know everything and you like to get you like to get the reaction and um, that, that's that's really the cool part and and look you know to see games played um, on location is really cool you know and hopefully we get back to more of that again and to have our customers just love our games love what we're doing oh yeah that's really uh big satisfaction uh, uh for all of us really do you still see room for growth in uh, the pinball industry i do see room for growth um I'm reminded, Jonathan, of of a time uh, a father and son came to the factory and I gave them a tour. Uh, I spent about an hour with them and showed them all kinds of things that we do and how we do it. And at the end of the tour, when we stood on the the, uh, final test line with all the games in a row, the, the dad looked at the son and said, who would have imagined that that pinball would grow this way and it would and and they would be making such really cool games and i looked at both of them and i said me <laughs> me 
I, I, I didn't do this because I thought it would fail or shrink and, and not be relevant. I did this because I believe that we could help to be a small part to make it grow and make it more relevant and make it bigger and make it more acceptable and grow the audience and all of those things. So, you know, I, I can't think there's not one cell in my being that could think it's going to go negative, that it's going to go lower, that there's going to be less. Um, my belief is that there will be more and it'll be better. And I've said our best games are ahead of us. And I believe that. And adding more technology and more innovation and more creativity and more imagination and all those things, they <laughs> they feed on themselves and they get other people excited that never, ever played a pinball machine before. So um, the future is very bright. I believe that. As the owner of the company, obviously, you know what will be coming out next. You you pay close attention, I suppose, to uh, the design process, um, especially with a game like, for example, Guns N' Roses. You know, like, oh, my God, you can't wait to uh, to to announce that game and to show it off. Um, I suppose you still get wowed. How difficult is it to keep such an upcoming game quiet while you're very excited about it well for me personally it's not difficult i don't i don't talk about it uh you know it's jjp number seven jjp number eight jjp number nine jjp number ten so i don't talk about it um there are uh, people that know uh what our next game is and our next game and our next game for sure because they're working on them or because they're vendors that are working on parts for them or things like that. Um, sometimes I guess in different companies, it's maybe, maybe it's good that uh, people know what's coming. And, you know, I, I have an attitude where, um, you know, it's, it's better to um, show it when you have it kind of thing, especially at this point in our history, I'd rather not, uh you know be talking about our next game our next game our next game especially when you have um a lot of people looking to get what you're uh what you're selling right now um so for me personally it's real easy um you know with with these games some of them i worked on licenses several years ago uh, you know guns and roses was several years there was there was a picture of me at seattle pinball museum with the Day the East Guns N' Roses game in 2017 of December. Certainly, I was working on Guns N' Roses in 2017 in December. And when I posed with the game, I posed with several other games. So when Charlie took the picture, he had no clue what he was taking a picture of me. He was just taking a picture of me with a whole bunch of different <laughs> games. Um, Perhaps you should ask him what those other games were. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, doing doing a, a, a quote-unquote uh, theme over again is a challenge. Uh, we've done it twice. It doesn't mean we'll do it again or we won't do it again. If the right opportunity presents itself, we may may do it again. Um, those kind of things, uh, they're, just, they're just, if you can make something, and I, I don't want to overuse the word, but if you can make something really great, 
go and go and do it. Go make it happen. Right. Okay. I was about to ask you um, for anybody else who's starting up or thinking of starting up a, a, a pinball business like you did ten years ago, and you know several several people have done that in the interim. I was going to ask what advice you would give them or what one key piece of advice to give them, but I think you may have just uh, already told me. Well, again, um, part of it, part of starting anything is, is being committed to it in your, in your whole being all the time. And a lot of people would say to me, and they still say to me, you know, you never sleep. You're always up. I call you or I text you and you respond, you reply, um, you have to be committed to whatever you're doing, uh, unconditionally. And you have to have like-minded people that you don't want them to all think the same as you. And you don't want them to be yes people, but you want them to be focused on the product and success of whatever you're doing. Uh, pinball, when I started in the beginning, uh, I was told that there wasn't enough of a market for pinball and that not only would I be out of business, but other pinball companies would be out of business because <clears throat> there wouldn't be enough of a market to support the pinball companies. I knew if we built, if we achieved what I hoped we could achieve, we would expand the market exponentially. And uh, I'm glad in some ways I was right. I, I wasn't right about everything, and I didn't expect to be right about everything. But I knew that we could build the market bigger. It's hard to watch. Uh, you know, I, I, I said it's hard, but it, <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch TV almost and not see a commercial over this holiday weekend. I saw a bunch of pinball machines and car commercials and sunglass commercials and <laughs> all kinds of other things. There were pinball machines on Saturday Night Live and a skit. And, yeah, I saw that. You know, it's 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 been back. It's uh, gotten more attention. You hear more about it. Ten years ago, uh, maybe it was on life support or close to it. I I don't know. I have a lot of respect for all the people that kept everything going all the years uh, as, as I did. I mean, I, I started a company that was dedicated to selling games to the home for the first time, the first company that was only selling commercial arcade pinball machines to the home. And people thought I was crazy doing that. How, how are you going to do that year round? You can do that the holidays, but you'll be out of business. You know, how are you going to do that? And I knew, I believe there was a market for it. And it was nice that I was right about that. Um, so you try uh, other people that want to do this. Um, I would just I would just say be committed to what you want to do, and um, you know go go do whatever it is that you want to do. Because if you don't do it, you may have a regret that you didn't try it. Even if you um, even if you fail. Uh, it's probably better to try and fail than not try at all. Well, there we are. Thanks very much indeed to Jack for uh, taking time out on uh, on his busy first day back at work, I think, um, after the, the New Year and, and holiday season break, and uh, bring us up to date with, with uh, 
his thoughts on uh, 10 years in the industry, um, well, in the in the people manufacturing industry. And of course, he's uh, been in the people industry basically all his life. Right. Uh, uh, so, yeah, anyway, interesting points from him there. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the Jersey Jack Pinball has been doing a, a Christmas um, campaign as well. Yeah, uh, very interesting one. Yeah, tell us about it. Well, well um, uh, I assume we're talking about the same uh, campaign mm. uh, on, the, on their social media, Facebook yes. and such, where um, uh, not only you get the usual suspects from the company wishing you a very Merry Christmas, but also people in the factory that we n- usually never see, uh, uh, people working on the line or uh, uh, being in charge of, of applying decals or something like that, you know, and all those people were part of that campaign as well. Yeah, very good. Yep, I mean it uh, indicates how many people are required to put together a, a game. And as Jack said, you know, as, or as you said, I think to to him in in that uh, in that call, you know, there's a hundred people or so employed at the company. And, yeah, that uh, was a rough guess. So yeah, if it's only fifty, then well, I was way off. But <laughs> he, he didn't deny it, so it's probably about right. And uh, no, they're all working to, together to uh, to produce the games. So yeah, that, that's here from everyone. Um, one thing that one more bit of Jersey Jack Pinball, well, not news, but but lack of news really is uh, we mentioned about new code. Well, uh, I suppose this is a, a plea to get some new code for uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, which um, hasn't reached version one point zero yet. Although rumour has it there is a version one point zero that's out there and has been in test for a long time, but hasn't yet been released. Now I don't know whether they're waiting to add more features to it, you know, like uh, internet connectivity. It must be a good reason. Yeah, you'd hope so. Uh, hopefully, it hasn't just been pushed to the back while they uh, while they get on with uh, with newer games. But um, so uh, probably a little bit of love there needed for Pirates of the Caribbean for those those owners who are waiting for their their version one point zero. Hopefully, it won't be too much longer. Right. Okay. Um, I have two companies to uh, choose from. Uh, which which uh, do you want to address first? Uh, Alphabetic or Deep Root Pinball? Uh, Let's let's go with Deep Root because uh, you know we it's a fairly fairly major landmark for them this this month. Uh, look, we are looking back to to the month of December 2020, and that was the month in which they finally put their Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland game up for sale on their website. Right, they've been been teasing it, and they've been showing it at shows and presentations, and but um, never a full final production version that was available to purchase. And that changed at the start of the month, when uh, they on their website you could you can now buy well can't now but you could then buy two versions of the game. There was the arcade version, arcade edition as they called it, which um, was priced at five thousand eight hundred and ninety nine dollars, and there was the extra version, which is a limited run of uh, maximum of three hundred machines which costs $9,499. So the, the starting price of the arcade edition at uh, basically $5,900 um, is, is right there with um, Stern Pro Machines, I suppose. And the uh, the extras are up there with the, the limited editions at 9500 Um Now, when you're buying these or putting your order in for them, you could get some additional options as well, which... It's interesting because a lot of companies have, have shied away from offering factory fit options to their games simply because it, it makes the, the stock control so much harder. 
know, if somebody buys a, a game and uh, they want a particular colour of neon rubbers on it, for instance, then that has to be that particular model that's that's on the production line that they get. You know, you can't say, well, you've bought an arcade version, so you can have any of these arcade versions. It's got to be the one that's got your colour of neon rubbers on, and that makes stock control a lot harder, and you can't just swap it out with another one. But anyway, that's neon rubbers are one of the things you could do on the arcade. You could get um, uh, different metalwork finishes, the same kind of metalwork that's on the uh, extra edition. You can get additional playfield toys, extra playfield lighting. Um, you can get anti-reflective glass and uh, and a topper as well. Right. Uh, well, you get you c- could get lots of things, but yeah, you can't right. anymore. No, no. This, and, this um, while you were talking, options. I actually checked on the website, and it actually says no yes. longer for sale. That's so. right. Yes, it was available until the thirtieth of December, and uh, sure enough, I checked that the other day as well, and it had. Um, I think it was available to order and uh, until about the 31st but at the beginning of the year they, that changed to a no longer available uh, there's still a couple of things which um which are only available on the extra edition that's the the moving ned toy which kind of shakes when you hit it that's the uh, sort of big alien bash toy at the back of the game and the uh, the whole stacking back box or floating back box design which uh, is different from the arcade version. The arcade version has a has a more traditional sort of Bally Williams back box, but the extra has these um, sort of uh, floating um, boxes with the display in and then the, the wraparound back box. Um, so they're only available on the extra and can't be, you can't upgrade the arcade to that. Hmm. Um, okay. Now, interestingly, um, despite having said that you would not, they wouldn't, take pre-orders they are taking pre-orders although they though when uh, when robert muller spoke to us um, in our bonus podcast in uh, in december he uh, didn't didn't really see it as, as pre-orders more sort of indications of, uh, of a commitment to purchase rather than right. paying but he did there's the option to pay either a, a, a 10 or 20 percent uh, non-refundable deposit 10% for the arcade machine, 20% for the extra machine, or pay in full straight away. So that's before you get the machine, uh, before the machine even goes into production. Right. So to me, that's a pre-order. Uh, call it what you will. But um, those, um, I say that, as, you, as you mentioned, that, uh, that whole offer is now closed. We don't know how many machines were, were ordered. There's some indications it would be around about the 300 number, but we don't know. Um, Robert did say that he wasn't expecting huge numbers for the first game, which is you know, kind of odd because it's uh, it's it's their their kind of yeah, flagship was... model, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but um, I think people also realise that uh, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland isn't a great assuring game, so that might hold people a little bit back. Yeah, and also I suppose there might be the this, the suspicion that um, though it was only available to order until the 30th of December, that may not be your only opportunity to buy the game because they they may well make it available again, of course. Um, it would make sense to do that if they think there are, there are unfilled or people weren't ready to place their orders at that time. And also uh, we don't know how many how many games distributors have bought 
So there are some distributors for deep root pinball. I don't know who they are at the moment. Well, I know I know who one of them is, um, but um, the distributors were originally required to commit to buying a certain number of games. I don't know whether that is something which was held to or whether um, that's something they tried and found it didn't really work. But I suppose that's always negotiable. Yeah. So, but you might be able to buy a, a game from a distributor. Anyway, even if it's not available directly from from Deep Root, and right. that might be a preferred way of going anyway, because um, that way you would you might get some um, some security for your deposit, because you're not paying it directly to uh, to Deep Root, you're paying it to your distributor, and that's who um, is, is responsible for it. And if you right. if you trust their um, longevity, then it might be might be a preferable way to go. And also, you know, if there's any issues. With the game, who's going to deal with um, you know any service issues? Who's going to deal with it? Who's going to be your uh, your distributor rather than deep themselves? So yeah. Oh well. If you are interested in finding out more about Deep Root Pinball, then do check our exclusive interview with uh, Robert Mueller of uh, last month, which is uh, right in. If you're on the podcast page, is one of the previous podcasts. Yeah, I think it was uh, went down very well. I had some uh, only only good uh, feedback on that, saying we asked all the right questions and uh, answered questions that that people really wanted, or asked questions that people wanted answers to, and 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 got they got the information they they wanted. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely so, worthwhile. Right. Okay. Moving on to uh, multimorphic. Yeah. Go on then. Well, um, <laughs> this is uh, actually. Quite news to me as well. Um, <laughs> well Brass, I I'm, go I'm going to let you handle this <laughs> okay. one. Uh, yeah, they've, um, there's actually been two new games come out for for Multimorphic's P3 um, pinball platform in December. There's a, there's a, a vertical scroller game called uh, Shoot and Scoot, um, which uh, was developed by Rory Sanuda and uh, Greg Goldie, with uh, module driver support from Thomas Law. It uh, works. And this is the interesting part. I thought it works with any Playfield module you have installed in the game. There are there are four Playfield modules, um, which I am not going to try and re- remember all of them. Except there's Alexi Lightspeed, there's Cannon Lagoon, there's Heist, Heist. and um, and another one, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> and one more. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, which uh, which I can't remember at the moment, but uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I will. So basically, I yeah. suppose the the um, well, basically the 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 playfields feed to, uh, the upper playfields have some way of redirecting the ball back to the player through ramps or other ways. Yes, um, absolutely. But I suppose this game is mostly played on the uh, uh, lower two thirds of the playfield. Well, see, that's uh, what that's what I originally thought, and then I watched some of the gameplay, and in fact, it's not, and that, and that surprised me. Uh, but I'll come to exactly how that works in a minute. Um, but the, so the the key thing is that um, you can you can download this game for one hundred and sixty nine dollars from the Monty Morphic web shop. Well, it's a whole new game. Um, it's okay. uh, you you make the shots and you steer your character left and right, collect awards, avoid obstacles, and try and complete each level. And it gets harder as you get and faster as, as you carry on. But uh, it's all about making the right shots, and uh, so it's a good good trainer for being able to shoot uh, accurately and reliably. So that was the first game that was released. The um, second game, which hasn't actually been released yet, but has been previewed, is uh, from Nicholas Bainbridge, who who made the recent release of Ranger in the Ruins. 
Now he's come up with a uh, a quest for glory P3 game, which is based wow. on the uh, Sierra uh, 8-bit video adventure game series, um, and it, it uses the um, the same kind of um, ability as you get in the video game to be able to save a game at any point and then pick it up later uh, by using the uh, the player profile which is um, part of the p3 infrastructure you log right. in and then it gives you the option to to pick up any, uh, the game that you saved a while ago and it, and it restores everything back into the same state and, and then off you go so right. it's a so nice novel if you, feature if you play like me and you you, you drain three balls in <laughs> Under thirty seconds, uh, then you can pick up where you left off. Yeah, you can you can just pick up just before the last ball. Much, but just still. before the last ball drains, you, you can you can restart the game at that point. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, right. but no, if you're you know having a having a killer game and you need to uh, go go out or uh, or uh, go elsewhere, shall we say? Then uh, yeah, you can you can basically pause the game, freeze it, save it off, and come back to it later. Um, now right. this this seems looks like it works with the Lexi Lightspeed Playfield module, but it's it's, it's possible it might work with uh, with others as well. And uh, the reason this um, this is possible is that um, Multimorphic has released released a new software development kit or SDK, which is version 0.6. And uh, this adds uh, the the Twitch Connect support we saw in um, Cosmic Kart Racing. Where Twitch right. viewers can interact with the game and um, sort of uh, activate power-ups or um, or throw weapons at uh, other players um, on the uh, on the playfield, at least if not in person. Um, I but, prefer to do it in person. Yes, well, that's an option as well. I don't think they quite added that yet, but you know, maybe not too long. But this also allows um, playfield module agnostic detection of shots which mean on the on uh, on an upper playfield module without actually knowing what the the layout or the features of that upper playfield module are now that's um that's the feature they're using on the scoot and shoot game which means it doesn't really matter what what shot or what loops or targets or whatever it is on the upper playfield it it allows that to work seamlessly with your uh, your homebrew game that right. designed for the P3, and um, it's I don't know how it works, but apparently it does because it's being used. So, uh, and and that will allow it to work with uh, future um, future Playfield modules, which haven't been designed yet or haven't, uh, which obviously the the game doesn't know anything about at this point. So without right. without having to have an update to it. So uh, yeah, um, SDK version 0.6 for the P3. You need to register. On the multimorphic site to be able to access it and download it, but uh, it's free to do does so. Does that uh, require an end user license? Well, I'm sure well? it does. Yes, <laughs> I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Right. Okay. So, um, uh, well, rounding up uh, multimorphic, there is uh, a little bit of other news as well. Mm. The uh, voting for the uh, fourth annual Twippy Awards has now officially started, and you can vote uh, the entire month of January. Now, good news and bad news. The good news is you can still vote for Pinball Magazine as your favorite pinball publication, although um, other websites, uh, well, basically for that category, only one article is required to qualify, apparently. And uh, Pinball News has also been... Uh, uh, added to the uh, 
uh, the mix. Oh, that's um, very nice. For um, I forgot for which article that was. You wrote an article last year and it's nominated. Oh, okay. That's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, the bad news is. Uh, there's also a category for best pinball podcast, and we have not been nominated in that. Oh, okay. Well, guess we better stop then. Okay, bye. Oh no, sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Just no. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> still here. So, so they uh, that's one. They don't sorry. get rid of us that easily. Uh-huh. So that's one award show. But guess what? Uh, the pinball network. Um, is also coming up with their own Pinball Industry Awards. And uh, the difference is that um, uh, where the Twippies are voted for by uh, the general public, so to speak, or pinball enthusiasts who are aware of the Twippy website and what have you, um, for the uh, Pinball Industry Awards, um, judges... Um, are invited and they have to uh, 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 their invitation is based on whether they are considered to be qualified to become a judge on uh, on this mm-hmm. pinball industry awards uh, panel and once you did that uh, if you qualified and you registered yourself as being interested in uh, uh, judging um, you get an invitation to fill out an online questionnaire and basically that's it. You fill in what you think are the best games of the year and, and um, best light show and, well, all the standard categories. Right. Quite, uh, you know. So, um, so the big question, have, have, you, have you signed up and have you voted? Yes. Yes to both? Yes. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I figured, okay, I've never been a judge on anything, so <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not, you know. And um, uh, there's, um, well, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think the um, uh, the Pinball Industry Awards on the uh, Pinball Network are beating the, um, uh, the Twippies because uh, I think the Twippies will be... Uh, handed out in March. Mm-hmm. No time. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Originally, they were supposed to be part of Pinball, uh, the Texas yep. Pinball Festival, which is sadly cancelled. Yep. Um, but the Pinball Industry Awards are actually already handed out. I think uh, early February. Oh right. Okay. Um, I do know that, that voting on that closes on the twentieth of January, I believe. Oh, it could even be sooner then. I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but uh, well, only yeah, the, only that I got the reminder email saying that I haven't voted yet. That's oh. all. Well, at least you qualify to to. Yeah, you could. Yes, I, I was invited to apply. Put it that way. Right. Um, yeah. It was interesting <laughs> that I, I was invited to apply for uh, my podcast work. Not so much as being editor of Pinball Magazine, which right. I think would be a bigger qualification. Oh, but you haven't put, haven't put out a Pinball Magazine in the past year, so does that mean that you... No, the magazine still exists. Oh, yeah, of course it exists and still still sells and, and still available. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, but it's, it's, it's not based on... I mean, does, if you never put out another Pinball Magazine, would that mean you'd be qualified, you'd qualified to vote forever? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. I think it does. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, um, well, we'll look out for those then. I guess uh, not. Not next next month's 
podcast, but the month after, or maybe, might, maybe, yeah, we may have the results of the Pinball Industry Awards. Oh my god, I'm so curious how we did. Are we in it? I have no idea. No, it's for games, isn't it? I didn't think it was for everything. Oh well. So oh, well, well, we'll you, you voted. I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at the nominations yet, but uh, I've been too busy writing. I articles. already forgot what I voted for, but I do predict Guns N' Roses being the um, uh, overall winner, yeah. winning them in the most categories. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, a given. But we'll, we'll see. I don't want to go into it with an open mind. Don't try and sway my my vote. Well, well. That's, uh... <laughs> So, other news. Uh, well, we already mentioned uh, Chicago Gaming that Dennis Nordman is is working on a licensed game um, for Chicago Gaming Company. Mm-hmm. Um, working with Chris Franchi on that, we believe. Um, I right. think think that was mentioned also on the Super Awesome Pinball Show. Yes, indeed. Okay, um, and I think we mentioned about Spooky Pinball. You you've heard some news there on um, on the Canada right. Pinball Podcast, I think. Yeah. Ben Heck was a guest on the uh, Canada Pinball Podcast, and um, I find it rath- uh, rather interesting that he mentioned that Spook is already considering building onto their uh, new building. So they, I think they moved last year to a larger facility, and that's, well, apparently not big enough. Mm, I think it was kind of over the over the Christmas period, or the end of last year, start of New Year, this year. And of course, they had all the, um, the COVID-related stuff, which stopped them stop them uh, completing their their move so uh, but yeah it's surprising that they're already already thinking of expanding i guess there aren't aren't that many large buildings in in benton that uh, that can that can contain them benton isn't that large so that makes sense yeah yeah well maybe it's about to get a little bit larger right okay so then uh, there's a couple of companies where uh, well Sorry, but no news. Um, yeah. Just briefly, Haggis Pinball, no news the entire month of December. Home Pin. Um, actually, I did talk to uh, Mike Kalinowski, the owner. Um, it's only off the record news, so I can't share it. <laughs> well, thanks for that. That's. Uh... Yeah, well, he's still busy and he's working on some stuff, but it can't be uh, made public. No, we, we wouldn't want to do that. No good would come of it. Okay, and uh, also I guess there's no news on from Circus Maximus about uh, no. about their Kingpin remake or indeed the the Python Pinball Circus, um, right. which they are uh, also working on. But, but Kingpin, I think uh, we haven't had really had any news from them in for a long, long time. So yeah, well, I suppose that's uh, partly due to COVID and and so on. Well, maybe, but uh, they're not not up against the clock or got any deadline they're trying to trying to reach. But you know, it'd be nice to nice for them to actually get. No, see some progress. No, yeah. I've certainly been looking to try and find any, and it's uh, the it's it's really not to be found. Sadly. Right. Okay. Well, I guess this that rounds it up for uh, um, our uh, December yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, I think we covered everything. Um, I don't think there's anything we've forgotten, so that's that's good. Um, it, it was a it was a, as you seen and heard, it was a very busy month in in the pinball world, and. Uh, which is surprising because uh, normally December is fairly quiet. You know, so we, yeah. people sort of head towards the holiday season and then the New Year break. But uh, no, there's been a lot to talk about, and we hope you've enjoyed us our uh, our roundup of of all the events. Right. Okay. Um, well, then let's uh, wrap it up. Um, we hope you're back at the end of uh, or the beginning of February, where we look back at the month of January. 
where we discuss the pinball industry news of this month. Yep. So until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you then. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Guys, are you there? Can you hear me? Anybody there? Hello. Hey there. Hello. Say something. Okay. Well, at least I tried. Maybe another day. Hopefully soon. Take care.